0: Bass de Vaya, O
1: no, Pagavate, Bass de Vaya,
0: O no, Pagavate, Bass
1: de
0: Vaya, O no, Pagavate, Bass de Vaya, O no, Pagavate, Bass Narayanam, the Naram Chaivan Rotam. Devim Sarasatim Gyasam Devim Sarasatim Gyasam Tato Jayam Udi Raye
1: Tato Jayam Udi
0: We're reading today from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 52. And we're taking up at text number 43. 43, 43. forty-three. forty-three. Yasangri Pankaja Rajasna Panamahanto Vachantuma Patirivat Matamopa Yariambujaxan a lapeya Vavat Prasadam Yahyam, Yahyam, Asun Retakrishan, Shatajanma Pi Syat. So this is one of the prayers in the letter that uh, Rukmini wrote to Krishna. And she says, O lotus-eyed, when great souls like Lord Shiva hanker to bathe in the dust of your lotus feet and thereby destroy their ignorance. If I cannot obtain your mercy, I shall simply give up my vital force, which will have become weak from the severe penances I will perform. Then, after hundreds of lifetimes of endeavor, I may obtain your mercy. PURPORT The Divine Rukmini's extraordinary dedication to Sri Krishna is possible only on the spiritual platform, not in the fragile world of mundane affection. Could we have our verses that precede the Bhagavatam? These verses are spoken by great acharyas in reverence as they approach their comment, their writing of commentaries to the Bhagavatam. And we can take advantage of these Sages, Kurvanti gowatsa padam vababdim. This is uh, mentioned in the Shrimad Bhagavatam. Twa yambujakshakila sat vadamni samari na beeshit chey the saike. Twa pada putena mahat krutena kovanti Any art or discipline or skill is best learned by following in the footsteps of those who are already expert in them. And we are advised in the Bhagavatam to follow the previous sages. As in the first canto, second chapter of Bhagavatam, a verse you all know, because practically you've gotten the 34 now, right? Yes? Yes. Bejri. Bejri. Bejirei muniotagre, Bhagavan Tham Adhoksajam This means, Bejirei means to worship Bejirei Munayotagre Agre means previously and Muniya means those who are great sages and thinkers So previously all of them worshipped They did worship to Bejirei Muni Bhagavan Bhagavantham Adhoksajam They worshipped Krishna Adhoksaja Adhoksaja means one who is Beyond the description, all the way through the alphabet, it's beyond the alphabet what you can describe at Hoksija and Krishna. They worshipped him. Why? Because Shemaya, they would attain the highest benefit because he's beyond the three modes of mature nature. And then it says, Bejare muni Bhagavan, Hamad, adhuksajam Satvam bishurham shemaya Kopante nutaniha Anu means to follow. So if we follow those sages, albeit imperfectly, if we're still following, then we're able to cross over the ocean. and We get the same benefit, the same destination they got by following in their footsteps to the best of our ability. And in the verse I mentioned just before that, it is, meant, it is said kurvanti govatsa that you can actually cross the ocean of material existence how? by toatpatapotena Mahat mahatkirtena means that you follow the mahats. Mahats means the, the great teachers or it means uh, Krishna and if you follow you try the best you can to follow then the, the great ocean of material existence it was very difficult to overcome, for instance, very difficult to overcome the, the smartphone. <laughs> and I heard that the people from the past generations, they can't give up the smartphone. And But if you're able to follow in the footsteps of the, the great Acharya, then become cha- attracted to Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And you like hearing Bhagavatam more than you like looking at a tock then gradually then you can step over that ocean of the of the smartphone it's an ocean in there it just and you can step over it easily and uh, come to the position of Nishta, steadiness and only wanting krishna so these prayers are from the great acharyas they said them out of emotion for approaching the Bhagavatam, so we'll say them too. Saruha bhagavata prana. What's that? How come we're going to a different thing? I mean, this is fine, but didn't we have a process? Is somebody else in the booth? Remember, we did the verses from Sridhar Swami? Those verses? Remember? Sridhar yes. Swami Chakravarti Thakwar? You guys already memorized them, you see. That's what happens when you're an Aryan. I mean these are nice too. We can add them on. But I just had something else in mind. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare. Rama enāma, bhagava-eśas <laughs> by lukhan bhāvāna li-lāva-tara-nūrāto tirya asāguna-māya-vāvera bhūtta-sukṣmendari-yātmāvi sa nirmitesha nir tat yathā yavahito-vāni-r-darūśveka-svayonishu pati that's Divinity and Divine Service backwards. Which you have to get to get to 34, forwards and backwards. So you might as well start practicing. Okay, let's say these uh, prayers. I worship Lord Nishinga within whose mouth reside the great masters of eloquence, upon whose chest resides the goddess of fortune, and within whose heart resides the divine potency of consciousness. Desiring to purify my sampradaya and being bound by duty, I will briefly comment on the prayers of the personified Vedas to the best of my realization. Inasmuch as Srimad Bhagavatam has already been perfectly honored by my predecessors' explanations. I can only gather together remnants of what they have honored. The saintly devotees may laugh at me for becoming a jewel merchant, though I know nothing about precious jewels, but I feel no shame for at least I may entertain them. Though I have no wisdom, devotion, or detachment, I am still greedy to take the philosopher's stone of the Veda's prayers from the fortress in which it is being kept. If the wind of indiscretion, my failure to acknowledge my lowly position, threatens to knock me down, then while writing this commentary, I must hold on to the effulgent pillars of the feet of Sridhar Swami, Goswami, and Lord Shri Krishna. Repeatedly bowing down to my divine spiritual master, enter Lord Shri Krishna, the ocean of mercy, I take shelter of Shri Shukadeva Goswami, the protector of the world and its universal eye. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. And after my respectful obeisances to His vine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta, Swami Prabhupada, and all the assembled devotees. Vansha Kapadribhushcha, Kripa-sindhu-be-eva-cha, patitanam Bhavani-byo, Vaisna-be-byo, Namunamha. So this is... The last of the statements that Rukmini makes when she's sending a message, a letter to Krishna and she hasn't met him yet but she heard about him sufficiently to have fixed her mind and heart on him and to not want to marry anyone else. She also, as you remember from last week, gave Krishna a strategy through which it would be practical for him to kidnap her at her own wedding. She had been betrothed to Shishupal. Shishupal is famous, but we would call it infamous in our circle because his lot in life and his Entire being was absorbed in criticizing Krishna When he was a baby And he first learned to talk And his parents were saying Come on, come on, come on The first words that came out of his mouth Were not Ama, appa Or mama, papa They were I don't like Krishna (laughs) And other such uh, Criticisms of Krishna Or expressions of disrespect for him. And the brother of Rukmini, Rukmi was friends with Shishupal. So this was a problem because her father, uh, Rukmini's father, gave deference to his son. And therefore, although he didn't like Shishupal either, he went along with it. So this was a situation. If anybody's been in any such situation, You can perhaps relate to it. And so what did Rukmini do? She prayed to Krishna and she wrote a letter and she sent it through a brahmana. The brahmana dutifully carried it to Krishna and back then, like on WhatsApp, you couldn't see those two little arrows come. And then sometimes if somebody turned off the notification where you can tell whether they read it or not, Sometimes you'll send an important message, like, what do they really think of me? And then you don't see the arrows light up, or you think maybe they read it, maybe they didn't. But they didn't have internet back then. And once the Brahmin was gone, Rukmini was left just to think about whether or not Krishna had received it, as the Brahmin had to go cross-country, and... Meet Krishna and actually deliver the message. And then, whether Krishna was favorable or not, she didn't get that message back either. And she didn't until the day of the wedding. She had suggested, as we read last week, that there was a time during the wedding ceremony, which she knew well because she had attended others in her family, when she would be open to be kidnapped. There's a alleyway that she would walk down right after she worshipped Durga, asking for Krishna as her husband and then Krishna could come with some of his soldiers and scoop her up and take her away. So he did that and she didn't know it until the last moment when she came out and she saw Krishna there amongst the crowd, amidst the crowd, and he came in and took her away. So the mood of this last prayer is important. First of all, she says that his lotus feet, they're desired by even great personalities like Lord Shiva. And what does Lord Shiva want? He wants yasangri pankaja raja raja means the dust Snapanam means a bath mahanto so mahanto means great souls so the greatest of all souls like beginning with Lord Shiva what they desire is to take a bath in the dust of Krishna's lotus feet so this is how she first reverentially addresses Krishna and then she says Vachantyuma patir ivatma tamo pahat And this is that they, they, those great souls of Vachanti, their desire is uh, this that they can get the dust of your lotus feet. And he names Lord Shiva as the husband of the goddess Uma, Uma pati. And then. Says Yar yambujaksha, Na labaya. So says to Krishna that uh, addresses him as, as Ambujaksha as lotus side, and says that Labeya, like the Labha, if I cannot obtain you, if I can't get you as my husband, Yar Yambujakshe, O lotus side, one, Labeya, bhavat Prasadam. If I cannot get your mercy in this way, the jayam asun. So jayam asun vratakrishan means that I should be, I'll be ready to give up my life airs by doing vrats. I'll do these very austere penances in order to attract your attention. This is what I'm ready for, vratakrishan. And because of them, uh, Krishan means I'll be weakened. And Shata uh, Sya. It means that I'll do this uh, for many, many lifetimes. That's what my determination is. I'll do, if it doesn't work in this life, I'll do it in the next life. If it doesn't work then, I'll do it in the life after that. And I'll keep doing it, these severe penances. And they'll, they'll be so austere that I'll give up my life air because of them, and I'll take another body, and then I'll start over again. And then uh, and at that time, when uh, your mercy comes to me, uh, then, it, then I'll, I'll stop doing these penances. That's what I'm prepared to do. So this is described in the purport as extraordinary dedication. And in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, Krishna says that one has to have uh, such extraordinary dedication in order to attain Him and only one who is f- uh, established in the mode of goodness and has given up sinful activities. They put everything else aside in their life and now they're jruddha Jṛta means determined and vrata, they have a vrat in life that I'm going to attain Krishna. So one must have this sense of dhridhavrata, that my vow in life is to attain Krishna somehow or other. And the somehow or other is also important because things don't always go the way we expect them to go. We may have a plan, but then there may be an obstacle to our plan. But one must keep this determination regardless of the obstacle that still my vrat, Is I'm going to attain Krishna somehow or other. A sign of uh, a weak determination is that I can't do this because. And then you have a long list of excuses why it can't be done. Because, is there any excuses you can put? Huh? I'm busy. (laughs) I have work. I'm sick. I'm what? I'm tired. I'm what? I need more money. Need more money. <laughs> huh? I'm late. <laughs> I'm late. <laughs> there are lots of excuses to make. But when one makes one comes to this determination, Krishna says, Bahunam Jammanamante gyanavamprapadite, vasudeva sarvamiti sa mahatmasudha. that one becomes aware of the fact that vasudeva sarvamiti, that there is nothing else to attain of value in this lifetime except for Krishna, then, after many births and deaths, one may develop this mood. As Prabhupada says about Prahlad Maharaj when he's praying to Lord Nasringadev with such determination that this is not ordinary. This kind of determination comes only to one who's very fortunate in life. Otherwise, people aren't interested in Krishna or they're little interested and they can take him, relieve him. Something else may be more pressing or important in their life. But we get the example of Rukmini, of how it is that one attains Krishna. One must have this sense do or die. And there's a story of some one of the explorers. Those of you who just did reports on the explorers can tell us who it was who, when he brought his ships to shore, he had ordered them burned. You can look it up. He had ordered them burned because he knew then that the soldiers that he had brought with him would have this mood that, well, now we have to do or die because there's no going back. And Once when... Gorkeshwar Das Babaji was chanting where he used to chant in a field where he'd be away from all people. People, especially in India and especially at that time, would come from, from for Ashirbad when they knew there was a saint somewhere somewhere that was dedicated to doing bhajan all day long they would rightly revere such a person, but then they would come and ask for some, Ashurbad means give me some blessing. And so one day this very wealthy man, as the story goes, in the biography of Gorku Das Babaji Maharaj, had come there to meet him with the intention that he would give Babaji Maharaj some Gift. After all, he was wealthy, so he thought, I mean, how much could he want? Because maybe I'll build him a little house or something like that, and that's not going to cost that much. And I'll ask him, please, you be my guru. And Prophet said, don't approach the guru as you're taking a pet from the pet store that I have here, Guji. It's like you have a little dog, you parade around, and it's like, yeah, what kind of dog is he? Is like, I think he's a Pomeranian plus Labrador or something like that. And you just show him off and say, yeah, I have a guru. That's not the idea of guru. Guru means that one has become serious about crossing the ocean of birth and death and approaches and say that I I can't do without this. I can't do without you. Shilabakta Siddhanta had approached his guru at the urging of his Father, who is his Shiksha Guru, he had approached Srila Gorky Shore Das Babaji Maharaj in contrast to the story I'm about to tell. Don't worry, I didn't forget. And he had asked for uh, his shelter. And his Guru said, Who oh am I? I'm, I can't read or write. I'm illiterate. You're a great scholar. And I'm just, how could I give you an issue? No, no. Sadhus are like that you can't judge what's in their mind. He just said no. So Srila Bhaktisiddhanta came back several times and finally he said that there's a bridge nearby, if you don't give me your shelter, I'll jump. And he was serious. So finally Babaji Maharaj gave him his shelter and initiation. So one should approach like that as Prabhupada's god brother, Srila Sridhar Marsh used to famously say that, don't go to the guru cutting a return ticket. You go there with one-way ticket. Not that like, okay, if this doesn't work out, I'm leaving. It's only one way. It's like sometimes people get a one-way ticket to some place. It's like, uh, when's your return ticket? It's like, I don't have one. <laughs> so this one wealthy gentleman, he wanted a, a pet guru and he figured he's the best, everybody knows he's the best, so I have everything, all I need now is one guru (laughs) to add to my portfolio, so he went there, and he obsequiously, you can look that up, had bowed down flat on the ground, uh, like a stick, in front of Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj, and begged, please, you give me your mercy, but those who are fully absorbed in sincere bhajanta-krishna, they can sense the mood or the intention of those around them. As much as those who don't eat garlic can smell the odor of garlic in Mangalartik if someone had a Domino's pizza the night before and then they walk in, they can stand at the very back of the room and the people in front will turn it around and say, "Who ate garlic?" <laughs> it comes out from the pores. And similarly, the intention of the devotee who has decided once and for all, no return ticket. I'm going fully to surrender to my guru. There's no two ways. There's only one way. Tazmat Guru Prapadyeta. Therefore, it says, say the yogendras, you should conclude this therefore, So this man came, and he obsequiously means... We need a permanent microphone for our research department. We can invest in that.
1: Obsequious adjective from the late 15th century, prompt to serve, meekly compliant with the will or wishes of another, dutiful comes from Latin, obsequium, compliance, dutiful service, and obsequi, to accommodate oneself to the will of another.
0: Any other thing?
1: Ob means to follow, seek, from Proto-Indo European root, um, to follow, yeah.
0: And in this context, he did so insincerely, because his real idea was, as I already mentioned. So he said, do you please uh, accept me? And he said, I will give you some dakshina. Dakshina means, as Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, when somebody does a yajna, it's, the yajna is not complete until it's, uh, the recipient, yajamana, gives something, uh, some donation. That completes it, completes circle. That's why when we go on book distribution, we don't just hand over something for free. We always ask for something in return. And even if they don't have something to give in return, at least they should understand the value of what they're getting. Uh, otherwise, they don't uh, take it seriously. So Babaji Maharaj said, yes, okay, I can, I can ask one thing for Dakshina. And yes, yes, Guruji, whatever it is, still he's thinking like, build him a little house, build him a little house. He said, you stay here with me in this field and you don't go home. <laughs> and that man, he fled from that place <laughs> on some pretense. I was like, yeah, uh, yeah I'll be right back. It's the last thing that he wanted to hear. But for those like Rukmini, Vrata Krishan, they're they're ready to to, uh, run themselves ragged for this Vrata. That's the first thing they want to hear. I accept you and don't go home. Just stay here. Because it's such a relief to have someone that says, don't go back. I remember coming to the Krishna Consciousness Movement myself. I was quite unimpressed with the way the world was going. I didn't know how to change it and I didn't like it very much. And I didn't have the wherewithal to navigate my way through all the complexities. So when I was given an alternative, which was, you come here, you just chant Hare Krishna, take a little prasadam and do some service and you don't have to go home and I thought, Okay (laughs) That sounds like a good plan and uh, It's such a relief to have the great souls say like well just be done with the whole thing you drop that other thing it's all it's fine the you can take shelter amongst us and Just take take your whole life your whole heart you give it here. No problem. And when somebody who has that inclination hears that, then they feel, oh, yeah, great relief. Then I'll just just do that. I'll just be with these people. There's no problem in that. So this is the determination of Rukmini. She had already decided in her heart. The initiation, Prabhupada says, he got from his spiritual master. It started the day when he met him. And for those of you who are coming on the Yatra, we'll go there together. Prabhupada met his spiritual master in a place called Ulta Dunga Junction Road. Where is it? Ulta Dunga Junction Road. Say it three times Ulta Dunga Junction Road. Ulta Dunga Junction Road. It's like in The Wizard of Oz when, what's her name? Dorothy. Before she comes back to her house, she had gone into wonderland and she was clicking her heels. She said, There's no place like home. There's no place like home. And I think, Alta Dunga Junction Road. <laughs> Alta Dunga. <laughs> Srila Prabhupada had grown up in a family of pure devotees. His father, as Prabhupada writes in the Krishna book introduction, is a pure devotee in his own right. He's very liberal also. He invited every sadhu to the house. And he, he also, to accommodate some, kind of, some of the sadhus, he had a hookah. You know what a hookah is? <laughs> Everyone knows what a hookah is. He had a hookah because some sadhus, you'll even see them, they'll sit under a, a people tree and they worship Lord Shiva. his Lord, say Lord Shiva smokes ganja, so they'll sit there and they'll smoke lots of ganja, and if you see them, they're like... (laughs) (laughs) And so some of these sadhus would come to the house because on the prompting of Gaur Mohan Day, Srila Prabhupada's father, he said, please come to our house, please come to our house. He would take in any sadhu, and then when he would feed them, give them hookah, not all of them took hookah, some of them were different. Then he would say, "You please bless my son. What kind of blessing do you want? Bless him that he'll become a pure devotee of Srimati Ranarani. This is the object of worship for the God of Vaishnavas. We uh, worship Krishna because he's with Srimati Radharani. <laughs> and so Prabhupada had seen, he said later, uh, enough charlatan sadhus that he wasn't impressed. He thought, where is there really a sadhu in this world? And he had been in school, and in school he got involved in the Gandhi movement and so forth, and he had this sense of, let's first move our political agenda forward and then we can take up spiritual life because how will anybody listen to the message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or anything from India if they're under the subjugation of the British crown? It had become a great embarrassment and through the East India Trading Company, practically the country had been pillaged. There had been so many so-called scholars who came there from the West, trying to undermine the philosophy, even of the Bhagavat, systematically to dissuade people from taking to the Bhagavat culture. And so he was doubtful about seeing a real sadhu, but one of his friends said, no, no, this one's different. And he had brought his friend, who later became our founder Acharya, to this place where Srila Sananta stayed And that place was in a very downtrodden part of town, according to Prabhupada. It was like a a slum at that time. And all the devotees there from the Gaudiamat, they were packed in that place, like sardines. And Srila Siddhanta used to say that they were happy there because they were all preaching, packed in. And in a lowly part of town, he said, We didn't have that much money or resource. One devotee from the Gaudiya Mat from that time said, we Barely we could afford rice, which is a great hyperbole. In Bengal, rice grows everywhere. So, how could you not afford a bag of rice? But that's what he said. And so. That place, Śrīla Bhaktisiddhānta was sitting on the second floor giving darshan, and he would sit there as an open patio, now that you'll see. And he sat on that seat, and there's a stairway that goes up. I think it's 26 steps. I counted them when we were there. They're the same steps, because the expert, beyond expert devotee, like Prabhupāda said the other day, I heard him, he said, deity worship should be first class, and then he said, no. Better than first class. So the devotee who restored that building, it's first class. No, better than first class. He took all the original stones, everything, and reconstituted them. Any place that was missing, it was too crumbled to use in the restoration of the building. They recreated the elements using the, the original method that uh, was used when the building was constructed hundreds of years ago. And so now when you go there, the place is pristine. You'll never see a cleaner, more organized, and flawless place in your life. And it's the same building, the same materials that was there when Srila Prabhupada walked up to meet his Guru Maharaj on the second floor. So Prabhupada remembers that, that his friend dragged him there. And then he made the ascent to the second floor. And the same steps are there. And you can see through there's some effect they had. So you can see through to the stairs. They're protected a little bit by some kind of covering. But you can see the stone. And you can walk on those stones. You can touch those stones. And imagine what that was like walking up. And then his guru was sitting there in the open area uh, speaking. And so his friend and he and Perhaps one other came in and they bowed down, as every child in India learns JJ, do JJ, (laughs) from the time they're born, do (laughs) JJ. So they're used to, they bow down. So they all bowed down to this holy person. And before they could come back up again, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur says, You should spread the message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You are all educated. You should spread. So Prabhupada gave some argument. He said, yes, but India is under subjugation. Who will listen to us? Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, there's no impediment for the spreading of the sankirtan movement. It's under the internal energy. It has nothing to do with the condition of the external world. And he said so many reassuring things, and it was his stature as he delivered what he said to those young men, and what came from his heart that transformed Srila Prabhupada in such a sense, such a way that he said that at that moment I accepted him in my heart as my Guru Maharaj. And he kept that in his heart for some years. It incubated because he went home and he thought, I have these kids, I have this business, I'm entangled, what can I do? But he held it there and it grew and grew and grew until he was at the threshold of initiation and he had visited his Guru Maharaj a couple of times and his Guru said, I had marked him, that he has this serious nature, Vrata Krishan. He'll come the extra mile, even though the extra mile was smaller than Prabhupada had wanted because when he went to see Śrīla Siddhanta, for instance, at a Yatra, he was only able to go one day out of ten. That's how busy he was. But in that one day, he leaned in so hard that his guru said, who is that? Who is that leaning in so hard? And later on, when the temple president there and Allahabad recommended Prabhupada for initiation, Srila yes, I know him. He's the one who leans in so hard. You can see it if somebody has that vrata, In fact, it's mentioned in the teachings that Krishna gave to Uddhava before he left the world. That Uddhava was leaning in. There's a f- phrase for it in Sanskrit, that he, he, leaned, he was leaning in like this. You know, lean in. He's leaning in so hard to listen. So this is the, the mood of somebody who's given up the conception that I'm going to keep one foot in the material world, one in the spiritual world, their heart is fully given to the process of devotional service, Vrata krishan. And whatever it takes, basically, she's saying, whatever it takes, I'm going to do. So we, we can keep this prayer and remember, because there's always decisions to make. Should I become comfortable in the material world? Should I give in to my lower nature? Right? Because yes. it's always right there. As soon as you turn the light on, In a room, dark room, light comes on. How far away is the darkness? Just one flip of the switch. You flip it off and immediately the darkness comes back in. So one has to be very determined to take the devotional service. And we can follow in the footsteps of Rukmini. And now we'll take a few reflections or questions. Yes, Kennedy. We need tech support on Quadrant 2, please.
2: I think I just was too gentle with the button. Hare Krishna. Um, I absolutely adore Rukmini's story, especially the idea that at a certain point, you know, there's no return. You have desired something so deeply in the spiritual realm that you cannot return. But along with that, I do have a question, which is, how do you communicate that to your, for lack of a better term, material well-wishers that, you, that there's nothing there for you anymore?
0: Chanaka Pundit once said, don't reveal the bottom line of your financial status. You don't have to pull out a balance sheet and show your friends at a party. It's like, here's how much money I have. <laughs> he said, let them figure it out by the way you live. It's like, how come you never work? Well, I don't know. <laughs> how come you travel all the time? Like, no? Well, yeah. like, they tell the friends, he must be really wealthy, <laughs> the way he lives. And the same thing for devotees. We dedicate more and more of our time. Nobody has to, uh, we don't have to announce it. You have to write it, skydive. What is that? Skywriting. The airplane flies across and says, I'm doing devotional service. You could see, you show up and they're always sitting there. They're in front of the deities. They're always chanting. Even they have to work. They got their laptop in the back of the room. They're sitting there chanting, chanting, chanting. Finishing their rounds. Despite whatever other things. And everyone starts to figure out. It's like, "Uh, yeah, I think uh, that's the way they've gone. That's the way they are when we have some dealings in the material world that are unfinished, we should be, I mean, there, there are different examples, of course. But for most of us, we we have to be a little bit expert in dealing with those who don't have the same context that we have, family members, colleagues, and so forth. We can be very, gentle and appreciative of anything they've done for us and continue to do for us. We may also have some duties to do, and we should do them without remonstration, but not give our hearts to it. Bhagavatam says, this is Narada to Yudhishthir, who asked a similar question as you're asking, He said you should deal officially with such person. They say, "Uh, you please finish the Swanson report. Uh, Please have it on my desk by next week, next Tuesday. And then what do you say? Uh, Yes, ma'am, I'll have it ready for you next Tuesday. Very good. Swanson Report, no problem. And there's a way in which we deal with the material world as, as, as much as we have to, but we don't put our heart in it. And then when the opportunities come, the gaps naturally widen. For instance, going on pilgrimage. It's a big deal because everyone has this sense: I'm in a race. In fact, that's one of the metaphors that's most common for the world: I'm in a race. And like, what happens if you trip? It's like you're finished. You'll never make it. You didn't make. You didn't make it to the top of the class. You're not going to make it in the world, and so forth. Nārada Muni says, ah, nonsense. He says, So what if you do make it to the top? I said, what did you get? There's a bunch of other fools at the top too. But if but if you you took a month off to go on the pilgrimage and, and everyone says, Where were you? It's like I went to the Holy Land and it's like wow. It's like, I wish I could go to the Holy Land, too. It's, you could if you wanted to. So then, you know, we start to notice that, OK, I took a month off for this, and uh, I survived. I came. I was supposed to go to the special dinner for the awards ceremony for the top person in sales. But I didn't go that night because I had an engagement at Temple, it was Janmashtami. And uh, the, the next week, it's like people start to notice that where you're putting priorities. And then gradually, gradually, Krishna gives more opportunities and he just said, Okay, you're, you're free to just do devotional service full time. And then you can hold a festival, hold a little party, and invite everybody over and say, Yay, let's just do devotional service. Yes.
1: Thank you for continuing the Rukmini story from last week. I I really found it even last week very impactful when you said that, when Rukmini says that um, uh, rather than lose Krishna, I prefer to die. And you mentioned that that is a price you have to pay to develop relationship with Krishna. I just want to understand how do we develop that mood, that do or die more.
0: Well, Prabhupada says, as I mentioned from Prahlad Maharaj, this is something that comes from great mercy. Not many people have it. It's a, it's a rare thing to have that kind of mercy, to have that type of determination when, in one's heart. In the Bhakti summary Samrita Sindhu, Srila Rupa Goswami mentions that if somebody has some determination for devotional service, the, the person must have had some association with sadhus. In fact, that's where it really comes from. Mahatsevam dwaramahurva muktes, tamodwaram yoshitam sanghi sangam, mahantaste samachita prasanta vimanyavak suradak sadhavoye. Rishabhadeva says the door to this kind of determination, which is really what liberation means, that I have this desire only for Krishna. It comes from association with the sadhus. If you get association with those who have that, then your heart starts to hanker for it also by their mercy, by the mercy of those who already have it. You are going to say more.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for the answer. I just want to introduce uh, Isha here. She uh, came to the temple just looking um, at internet and uh, she has uh, she is very interested in hinduism and uh, she w- she lived in haridwar for one year in an ashram and she was looking for association and she came here today so i just want to welcome her uh, to the <laughs> temple.
0: Isha. Where are you from? Hola. So, Isha. Yeah, Isha's nice. Both are nice, but Isha's really nice. Because Isha, you know, there's a book we have called the Isha Upanishad. It's all about Isha. Your namesake. So Isha, Isha means the one who controls everything. It's a name for God, Isha. And the Isha Upanishad starts with the invocation which said that our source is complete. And everything that comes from our source is also complete. And our relationship with that complete whole is the object of life. And then it goes on to say that everything in the world belongs to Isha. It's owned by and controlled by Isha. It solves a lot of problems because people are always worried about somebody's going to take my land. There's fights over it all the time. Somebody's going to take my land. Somebody's going to take this, that, uh, my property. People are very protective. But when you hear this, it's like, oh, it belongs to Isha. Doesn't mean that we don't protect it. We protect it more because it belongs to God. But it's not only owned by, it's also controlled by Isha. And that one can take what one needs in this lifetime but only only according to what Isha gives us. That's clearly given to us. And then he says that if you live like this with Isha consciousness, it's, it's called Ishavasya, the uh, idea that God owns everything and I'm his servant and I'm just using everything for his service. Then the, the Isha, Upanishad, Isha Upanishad says that you'll never be entangled in the world because of your intention is right. You're living for God, you're not living f- uh, to covet things for yourself. Then he says that God is far away, but he's also near as well. God's the farthest away from us, but also he's there within our heart always. He's also within every atom. He hears everything that we're thinking. He knows all our intentions. And then it says he's more powerful than any other entity in the world. There may be great controllers in the world who control the sun, the wind, and the rain. But all of them, if they were in a running race, if you set up a 100 meter dash, then Krishna would be to the end before they could start. He's so fast, and they can never catch him. Nobody can catch him. And then says somebody who thinks like that, who sees everything in the world in relationship to Isha, and who sees all beings, uh, whether they be animal, plant, or human, as the, uh, the sons and daughters of Isha. And that person doesn't have an enmity towards anyone. Even if they misbehave, they think, well, this is just, they're caught up right now, but they're all souls from Isha. They have that vision. So your name, this is a means that Krishna is giving you blessings and the fact that you lived in Hardwar and then you came here looking for some spiritual vibration means you're a very sincere soul. And we pray that you find steadiness on your on the path back to the spiritual world and we welcome you here and if there's anything at all we can do for you we're all of us here at your beck and call Hare Krishna okay just have time for a couple more there's one online at the very top Bhakta Roman okay
3: Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj it was really nice to hear today's uh, verse because um, I was just coming across of teaching of uh, uh, Lord Kapila last week. And I hit that verse that cross correspond with that one when Devahudi prays to Lord Kapila. And he says, she says that you are the only person who I take shelter and you are the ex. Which can cut the tree of material existence, and uh, it looks like in both of these verses, there's uh, Krishna gives us some tools. And coming back to today morning, Japa, I was walking, and I was finding myself that those material thoughts still enters my mind, and which is, uh, which is, you realize that you need something to conquer that you need that X that will cut gradually those thoughts, then you have a deeper meditation and you have deeper appreciation to Maha Mantra vibrating you. And every time, even Devahuti here, she was blessed. And at the same time, it was hard for her to accept teachings from her own son, and which is, we say, one more austerity from people to accept as you said sadhu sangha accept the guru is really important in our life which is you you have to be more submissive to get those teachings so and in the end and you can see in our parampara, like different sages like Das Takur, he used like 33 million uh uh Krishna maha mantras and he actually uh, give that weapon to other people, and they become holy in the end. So it was it an was amazing realization today that we have to use Krishna as the only source of a shelter, and he will give us these weapons to detach us from the material world. Thank you very much.
0: Haribo. Thank you, Roman. The way that we can avoid material desires, not necessarily by ignoring them or cutting them out by but we have somewhere else to go. If somebody invites you to something you don't want to go to, what do you say? Somewhere somewhere. Say, I really want to come, but I got somewhere else to go. So when material desires come. You say, yeah, fine, I understand completely, but I have somewhere else to go. Can't make it this time. Maybe next time. Okay, uh, who is next? Yes, to Tim. Hi,
2: Krishna. I really like this one, uh, this verse from last week. Um, it's interesting to hear like Rukmini's elevated consciousness. I was uh, instantly thinking of Arjuna um, because in Rukmini's case, uh, Krishna is very, very far away or she doesn't know where he is and she's writing to him. And in Arjuna's case, Krishna is right in front of him. And in Rukmini's case, uh, she's ready to die immediately. Arjuna's case, in the beginning, he's like, Oh uh, well, I'd rather really go be like Vyas. I'm gonna go be a sage, and it's 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 funny because it's his job to go out and die, and he's like, I'm not gonna do it right now, at least. And then it's Rukmini is already very very elevated. She's extremely poetic in the way that she talks, and I'm not saying anything bad about Arjuna, but it's just two different you know kinds of ways of of looking at it and of dealing with Krishna. And in Arjuna, Arjuna's case, the Bhagavad Gita is spoken. So he's kind of getting the, the ABCs of, of, you know, of nature, of the soul, karma, yoga, through so all the yogas and everything else. And then finally, at the end, Arjuna is going to surrender to Krishna. Um, but in, again, in Rukmini's case, she's already surrendered and she's so much in love with Krishna already from the get-go. And so you get to see like the, the mood of the gopis, you know, and so uh, that, was, that was really powerful.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, It's like in in school, when you're doing a mathematics test, and you hand in your paper, the teacher tells you ahead of time, I want to see the work. Can't just put the answers. Did you ever get that? (laughs) The teachers always said that. It's like, I want to see the work. And in Bhagavad Gita, we get to see the work. Because at the end, Arjuna says, Okay, I surrender. I understand everything now. I surrender. Rukmini, uh, being pres- she's at it immediately at a different level. Arjuna's at that level for sure, but he's Bhagavad Gita is meant to show the work. Like this is what you go through. This is these are all the explanations so you can get there. And the last one we have Naika, because uh, we're leaving to go to the Shalabahu Prabhu's son's uh, funeral down in Gilroy. And we have to leave at, in a couple of minutes. So we'll be departing in just a couple of minutes. Vaikuntha Nayaka Prabhu, so nice to see you from Mysore, home of the Mysore Palace and Mysore Pack. Hare Krishna.
4: I had a quick realization um, and a question. But if there's no time for question, we can take it later. Uh, my realization was that how powerful uh, this process of Shravanam is that uh, Rukmini had never seen Krishna. Um, yeah. She had only heard about him and her determination was so strong. Um, and the question... Should I go for it? Or
0: Yeah, why not? Okay. 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 The, the question was, comes uh, back in and was... Then I got to go. <laughs> uh,
4: the question was, I was uh, thinking about that uh, rich merchant who went to Gaur Kishogas Babaji Maharaj and you mentioned about... Uh, the no return ticket, one leg here, one leg there. But I was thinking if I were in that merchant's place, probably my reaction would have been the same, right? So, am I, or can you elaborate like how, as Grihasthas, right, uh, we can develop this no return ticket uh, attitude, right? We all also are in uh, one leg here, one leg there. So, if you can please.
0: Elaborate on that a bit. The Grasa Ashram is the most educational period of one's life. When you get to integrate the principles of Krishna consciousness in real life circumstances. And take this time, while you have the vision of both worlds, to learn how to deal with ordinary circumstances in a transcendental way. Sometimes people become detached from reality and maybe prematurely say, okay, I'm done with the world, but maybe they have some, it's possible. Sometimes somebody has emotives, like, which is okay, that can be worked out. Everyone has to work out everything, but if you're in the Grahasta Ashram, be there. Don't be thinking like, oh, I'm nothing, I can't, no, no, it's an ashrama. It's as valid as all the other ashramas, and in fact, it's, gives you more opportunity because now you have your hands on all the instruments. You can move them around and then say, how am I going to move them according to Krishna's teachings? And you get to see how the world works and how to use everything in Krishna's service because you have some things to use in Krishna's service and you can also see how it is that I'm right in the middle of it but I, I don't see it as, as mine. I'm not attached to it. So we're meant to learn that lesson from the grahastha ashram. There is no artificial renunciation uh, in anything. I should say, there is no effect, there is no fruit from artificial renunciation in any phase of our life. Everything has to be done with a whole heart and organically, and we have to grow into it. So, uh, how can you do it? Just follow Krishna's instruction in the Bhagavad Gita, or, Follow the Shriya Japanashad. Follow in the footsteps of our friend Isha here. Isha. Isha vasya midang sarvam yat kincha jagat I don't have anything. I'm in, I'm in the midst of everything, but none of it is mine. Who does it belong to? Isha. If you just take that one mantra, and if they have a tattoo parlor in Mysore, which I'm sure they do, you can get it printed. And what do they speak down there? Canada. Yeah, Canada's kind of nice. Language. Canada. Yeah, you can have that printed in a Canada language, right, in your arm. And just anytime you're in doubt, it's like, okay. <laughs> and you'll be good. Hare Krishna. We'll get them together when I come back to Mysore. Will they? <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. We have to go to this uh, very somber uh, occasion down there. T- to support our very, very dear Shalabahu and his wife Rani. And uh, I talked to them last night, so they're eager for a few of us to come down there. The rest of you, please go on with the morning program, do the Guru Puja and so forth, have prasadam, go in Sankirtan, and we'll meet you back here manana. Okay? Dear Srila Prabhupada, Dear Shi Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Shri Shri Panchatatva, Shi Shi Radha Manan Mohan, Shri Shri Lakshmi If you so desire, please let us develop great determination in our practice of devotional service and give us the wherewithal to use this lifetime to develop a taste for hearing about you and for bringing other people to Krishna consciousness. Thank you for considering our request. Om Tat Sat. Or as they say in Japan, Om tato Sato. And everyone who agrees with this, in whole or in part, please unmute and say, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. It was heartfelt meeting this morning. Yeah. Yeah.